0: all right okay just like old times jonah we're gonna do some we haven't done an nba podcast in literally forever and we're gonna do some trade reactions and what actually one thing that i did want to talk about you want to do like um an update about me you and Shannon's our rankings at up until like this point in the season you know i mean like oh absolutely
1: we're yeah it's been i'm sure i'm sure that we'd all like to take a few mulligans on some of those but yeah definitely we should pull up the old excel file and see how we're all doing
0: back so we're just going to go through react to uh uh kind of a shocker trade that i wasn't really expecting by the blazers and then the karis levert trade um and then do you kind of want to do you have any trains in mind like if i brought up a team or something no, you don't want to do that? Because I feel
1: like you don't even have to write
0: stuff down. You can just kind of come up with stuff that a team would need right off the top of your head.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, (laughs) the beautiful beautiful part of this time of year is there are a number of rumors circulating for all 30 teams in the NBA. So, yeah, if if you name a team or name a player, I'm sure we would have no problem finding numerous jumping off points for a conversation. So, yeah, we could definitely go down that path as well.
0: Big facts. Okay, so which one do you want to start? With? Do you want to start with your poor literal trade, the Norman Powell trade, or do you want to start well, with the? Well, well, let's
1: let's let's update the uh, the projections as you have okay, alluded let's do it. to pull at up? the at the top of the show. If am I allowed to share my screen right now?
0: Yeah, Do have to make you a host though.
1: It looks like yeah, it looks like I have to be a host. Okay, here we go. All right, here are the projections, and it looks like we're beginning with Kellen's projections. Yeah, he very um, this is looking beautiful Suns, jazz warriors as the top three very can i
0: say one thing if you if Mm -hmm. we go back do you recall me ever saying that when i went through the memphis schedule because i picked every single game on a playoff app or something and i had memphis grizzlies Mm -hmm. way higher than what i have them projected in here and right now what are they the fourth in the best team in the west yeah third yeah okay so the the third best team i wish i was way more um yeah. I wish I would have stuck to my guns there and had Memphis higher up. And then I also wish I had golden state with a little bit of a better record. But besides that, I'm happy with the top three, not too happy yeah. with uh, what the Portland Portland's doing for me there,
1: but <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, but Portland, that's really the one team Sacramento maybe. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would say Portland and the Grizzlies are really, your only two. Mm-hmm big misses in the Western conference, maybe the Clippers too, but overall, yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, I have no recollection of what me and Shannon picked, but that looks pretty good. Um, Okay. Just to, to speed this up for those who are not watching the YouTube video, because this is probably not the most compelling yeah. radio, but yeah. Kellen was bang on in the West. It looks like in the East, he had the nets number one, as so many people did. That has not turned out. But aside from that, no egregious errors. I mean, a little lower on the Bulls than what has and the Cavaliers for that matter. But I think those were two that um, Kellen was definitely not alone in those predictions heading into the season. I think a lot of people kind of expected those teams to struggle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Actually, um, so I'll go through me and Channon's now. Now I'll just read like our biggest failures and biggest successes in each division. <laughs> um, it looks like I was not very, I mean, to be fair, like I it looks like I'm down on the Warriors because I had them at the seventh seed, but I really only had them three games behind the Suns, who I had in the two seed. So even though I projected them to finish seventh, I had them in like the same tier as the upper mm-hmm. teams, which has been the case. But like Kellen, I was a little high on the Blazers, way too high on the Lakers. And um, so yeah, my western standings are not looking good. Out east, way too high on the Nets, way too high on the Hawks. I bought into the New York hype a bit too much and um, was obviously low on the Bulls and the Cavaliers. And so pretty much um, similar to Kellen in the East. And then Shannon. Um, yeah, again, a little bit high on the Blazers. Shannon's is actually looking fairly solid. Way too low on the Warriors would be the one thing where I think Shannon maybe wishes he could take them all. I think if I wasn't there, well. he probably would have given them better record. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. It is Channon uh, an antagonistic guy? Who, who knows? <laughs> um, in the East, in the east, yeah, Channon like me and Con was too high on the Nets, too high on the Knicks mm-hmm. um, and too low on the Bulls and Cavs. So really, I mean, it, we were kind of of like mind when we made these projections it looks like. And so yeah. we've kind of succeeded and failed in the same areas. I think right now I have to say like without doing the math and tallying it up, but Kellen has to be in the driver's seat right now oh, as we imagine if I a
0: fortune teller.
1: Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. We should take you to Vegas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. That was a good little segment there. So uh, yeah. I, I don't really follow the East too closely at all. It's just whoever's playing the Warriors. That's why I'm watching. So yes, sir. Right. And You know what I was going to say not to get too mm-hmm. off topic here, but the Oklahoma city thunder, they've
1: got some, they're good- frisky.
0: They've got some good pieces and they stuck around the entire game, even though we were in decent control. And we obviously have way more star power in depth, but when they have Gideon, when they got Dort in, when they got man in, and then when Shay comes back, they're going to, they can yeah. compete like easily. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, compete. That is a bit of a strong word for me. I mean, competing and on a game to game basis. Yeah, I don't think you meant, like compete. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, they're a fun team to I'm watch. Not keep for um, a title, not yet. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys develop because I think right now you'd have to say like Shea and Dor are really the only two where you feel really good about them being like starters mm-hmm. five years from now. I mean, I can see Giddy though. Seems he has a lot of upside. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it, I, I think he's going to have to have add some sort of scoring element to his game, whether that's like. An outside shotter mm. finding a way to kind of put pressure on the rim. I think I um, with his lack of athleticism, teams are just going to be able to like switch most actions that involve him and just try to force him to score on an island. So unless he needs, unless he adds like some sort of scoring element to his game, I don't think he's going to be able to like utilize the passing, which is obviously the skill that got him drafted. Yeah, um, was it sixth? Yeah, Something I think like sixth, I sixth. Yeah, sixth overall. Yeah. So yeah, and um, I think he needs to develop his score but yeah the vision is unreal and he's definitely a fun guy to watch as a rookie Mm -hmm.
0: i know i'm i'm just excited to be talking to you because we haven't talked about this in forever so i'm gonna have random topics that i'm gonna ask you about throughout the thing throughout the show but jonathan i like that minga mm-hmm.
1: yeah another does
0: we'll a little bit but man's has been getting to the rack and he is finding easy buckets just because of the floor spacing and when he sets screens and rolls off people find him because steph's a great passer and then he shows off his athleticism and he's he's so much fun to watch like he's genuinely when he comes mm-hmm. in the game i am pumped and then also on top of that moses moody he's got oh a yeah football. moody and he flies through and the air
1: i haven't seen a lot of moody in the nba but i've watched um a ton of his clips and film from the g league and he's really been putting up just some eye-popping numbers in the g league the shot is really looking good for him he can he's a good help defender too which i think is a really interesting thing to see from a rookie like he knows where to be on defense he knows what rotations he's supposed to make so he really seems like he's going to be a high quality um nba player kaminga just has all sorts of athleticism he's a very um Talent or talented maybe the wrong word for it, but he he has a lot of tools to maybe turn into a really good individual defender. He still fouls a lot. He, here. he 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 still falls for a lot of guys' tricks. I think it was that game against the Mavericks where um, Luca was really able to take advantage of him a few times. Got him on a couple pump fakes. I think like drew a foul on him on two consecutive possessions. So he's still gonna have to like keep. Watching like film on NBA players and really just kind of learning what various players' moves are and what they like to do, and so he can like just be better prepared for those things, and so he doesn't like fall for their tricks so much. But yeah, he definitely has the athleticism, the tools to turn into a really good defender.
0: He's been way more aggressive rebounding, and then also he just finds himself in a lot of advantageous matchups where he can post guys up. Yeah, or he gets
1: wide for sure because. Yeah, with the Warriors, there are so many other weapons you need to worry about that Kaminga often draws yeah. one of the lesser defenders of the opposing team. And yeah, just like you were saying, more, t- more often than not, he's going to have um, an incredible physical advantage to attack against mm-hmm. um, whoever he's being guarded by. Right.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. There was a few collisions today with Ludor and like Kuminga or like Kevin, Kevon Looney, <laughs> and it was just crazy. Yeah. yeah. Ludor is a horse, yeah. man. But yeah. Yeah, he's built like a truck. I know him in him and uh, what's the what? What's his name? Is it Bain? Oh
1: yeah, okay, Desmond Bain.
0: Yeah, yeah. I want those two guys on my. If if yeah. they, they easily could be freaking NFL running backs, dude. Okay, so LeVert, Trey, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Norman Powell. How how did Norman actually do yesterday?
1: Uh, very very well. Yeah. Not a he surprise. scored, I think it was 29 points on just insane efficiency in his first game as a Clipper, having not even like practiced with them. Well, maybe one practice, but yeah, definitely without having been fully integrated into the system. But he had a great game against the Bucs. Clippers still could not win that one, which is mm-hmm. no surprise. The Bucs are one of the best teams in the league playing very well right now. But yeah, a very positive start for Norm in, in a Clippers jersey. Um, Robert Covington played well that game as well and so you yeah, know that's sick i didn't even think about it.
0: he's back in la he's back in his old stomping yeah. grounds which is pretty sick i know
1: yeah the, the ucla boy coming home
0: i know okay i was if talking about our, it.
1: what's up let's let's hear let's hear your thoughts on the blazers trade first if you if you have it okay
0: my thoughts i was definitely surprised but i was talking to it today with um somebody one of my like i do like an internship thing with osu athletics and he's a huge blazer mm-hmm. fan and mm-hmm. he was he just We should showing, have
1: him on the podcast sometime
0: yeah I should but he he like is just wanting the Blazers to tank so he didn't really care too much but yeah. he didn't even really know who Keon Johnson was I know you kind of like mm-hmm. him and then you'd obviously I thought Justice, Justice Wizzo was fine but then you sent me back a text saying no bueno and then Eric Bledsoe was a hot commodity a couple years ago yeah. and now it's yeah it's a. I feel like Eric Bledsoe is going to basically be what you're going to, what Norman Powell will be like if the Blazers kept him for like the remaining four years of his contract.
1: Yeah. Um, so now. Bledsoe is, Bledsoe is yeah on an expiring contract this year, so he will not be a Blazer past um 2021-22 no. season. He is in a later stage of his career where yeah right. he doesn't really have the ath- athleticism or the talent he did um at a younger age. I think um. Interestingly enough, I think a lot of Blazer fans have kind of been latching onto this fact. Bledsoe um was not listed on the injury report I don't think, at any point this season for the LA Clippers. And as soon as he's landed in Portland, he all of a sudden has this Achilles soreness that is causing him to mm. miss practice as well as games. So I think there there is some thought that he may be on the move once more before the trade deadline passes. So I think that's something to look out for. If not. I think he's a very likely candidate for a buyout especially with the four million dollar guarantee he has on his contract for next season which i mean i I said he was an expiring contract so i guess that's not technically true because he does have the guarantee but functionally he will be an expiring contract because that guarantee will not be um, picked up by the portland trail blazers
0: Mm -hmm. so the 2025 pick doesn't really do much for you
1: yeah the detroit second round pick i don't think that does much for anyone um Joe Cronin chief among them as I don't, I think it's far from guaranteed that he'll be employed by the trailblazers organization, um, (laughs) three years from now. You need to take his job, Jonah. uh, Maybe I think there, um, a lot of blazer fans on various social media platforms who would maybe agree with me on that one, but, um, yeah, the Detroit second round pick, um, I don't think that's a very juicy asset. Um, I think with Cade Cunningham looking as good as he has in recent weeks, that, you know, the Pistons probably be a pretty good team in 2025 at the very least, like a lower-level playoff team. I'd be surprised if that pick is in the top 45. And so, mm, yeah, that's what one's, you that meant one's what you were saying Cade would be
0: good by then.
1: Yeah, that's, gonna be, that's a tough one to be too fired up about. I think if yeah. anything... I don't know what the Clippers exact pick situation is right now. If they had their own second round pick, I may have rather had that one, which um, I can look that up if you want to give another take on the trade right quick.
0: No, I was just kind of surprised because I was just talking about how Norman Fowles is one of my favorite guys to watch on the Blazers. So it just kind of sucked. And I, we were we were just talking. Wait, was it a little bit before that we were talking about you wouldn't be too beat up if we lo- if you lost Norman? Or you weren't, you, were, you weren't too sad that you lost him after the fact, I think. But
1: Yeah, he just never really made sense on the Trail Blazers. And with the um, emergence that Anthony Simons has had this season, right. he makes even less sense. I think um, it's very likely that he would, if we had retained him, that he would have gone into the 2022-23 season as the fourth best guard, 6'3 or under on the Blazers roster. So just having him around... Made very little sense, so I do kind of agree with the idea of looking for a trade partner. Whether, um, the return we got for him was what, um, was like desirable enough to actually pull the trigger on a trade like that, I think that's where the conversation really begins. But I don't really think any, um, any Blazer fans would have been, or at least should have been, like unequivocally opposed to a Powell move, and yeah, I certainly was not
0: yeah has has this season um i don't want to say like has it made it harder for you to watch blazer basketball or do you still love it as much as usual
1: oh well i mean it certainly (laughs) made it harder to watch um i think that's that's pretty easy to say it's a lot funner to watch like a team that's like competing for like on a playoff run that sort of thing i mean of course i still tune into every game i've you do
0: no matter what oh yeah you're
1: you're a true guy you're a true fan i've seen like i've been up to the Moda center like 16 17 times at this point so seen seen a lot of the blazers in person this year as well so you know i i tune into i i tune into every game but um yeah i i I do have to get myself fired up sometimes (laughs) because yeah, it's it's yeah. Just to see the the starting front court of C.J. Ellaby and Tony Snell, you know, it's 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 not it's not what it once was. But guys, yeah, I, I still I still love the guys. Okay. But yeah, I guess you guys yeah. are probably waiting to hear what my take on this. Yes, trade-off. I want to hear. I,
0: this is what this is what you're on for. We want to know your thoughts on the trade. No one cares about what I think about the Blazers. Yeah, so
1: I guess let's just get down to brass tacks here because I do have – A variety of thoughts on this particular transaction. I guess we can start with the Clippers side of things because I think LA really just knocked this one out of the park by acquiring um, two really solid rotation players um, for a very reasonable price. And it was interesting, a couple days before this trade occurred, I was talking with someone about the NBA trade deadline and I said that I thought the Clippers were a sneaky team to really make some noise at the trade deadline because basically my thought process was they have one of the biggest competitive advantages in the NBA right now, and that is Steve Ballmer because he's just willing to pay ridiculous amounts of money and go so deep into the tax to field a competitive team. Mm -hmm. But... NBA teams are very limited in the way that they can spend over the um te- over the cap. You can spend over the cap basically to retain your own players, but you can't use them. you um you can't use money over the tax to sign other people's players. And the Clippers had um, a lot of expiring money. We talked about Bledsoe. They also have Serge Ibaka. So they're over the cap this season, but they have two these two large expiring contracts where if these contracts run out, they'll have no way of replacing them because they're allowed to have that salary over the cap right now because it's players that they retained, but um, Mm -hmm. moving forward, like they wouldn't be able to replace them if that makes sense. And both of those guys are at later stages in their careers. And so my thought process was that the Clippers were going to try to trade those contracts for players who were on multi-year contracts so they can basically kick the salary can down the road, if that makes sense. And that's exactly what they ended up doing because um, Bledsoe, as we've discussed, only has a $4 million non guarantee, which I don't think any team would be too excited about picking up and so they got off that money and in Norman Powell, who, um, whose contract goes for four additional years after this season. And so they really were able to um, add a player who can be with them in seasons past this current season and so by doing that, they are really able to like utilize their spending power. And so I thought that made a lot of sense for them. And that was one of the reasons they were able to get such a good deal is by taking on that long-term money. So definitely a trade that makes a lot of sense for the Clippers. They bring in Robert Covington, who is an expiring contract. They will have his full bird rights. They will be able to offer him a max contract. Robert Covington certainly um, will not be receiving a max contract. But uh, basically, my point is that the Clippers can pay whatever they deem is necessary to retain him over the off season. If they choose to keep him that long, there has been some speculation that he may, he may be um, moving to a different destination before yeah. this season is over. But um, I think Robert Covington, again, a player who f- will fit very nicely with them. We saw against the jazz last year in the playoffs that the Clippers really do like to go to those small ball death lineups and, um, in the playoffs and robert covington um during his tenure with the rockets had plenty of experience yeah. playing the small ball five and is very effective in that position yeah. and so i really think he fits what the clippers like to do very well especially in the playoffs i think he's going to be a key playoff contributor for them i in the regular season i think his contributions may be less important but i still like the fit there and then norman powell will get to return to his um more appropriate position as a shooting guard playing next to his old friend, Kawhi Leonard and um, a fellow Southern California um, kid, Paul George. And so, yeah, you really like the fit there as well. Um, the thing about Norman Powell is he's not really a set him up, knock him down sort of lead pick and roll guard. He's much better when other players can sort of bend the defense and initiate the offense. And then you kick it out to Norman Powell and he can either shoot a three, which he's been shooting, above 40 percent this year or he can like Dang. utilize his um first step and just get to the basket where he's um an incredible finisher and yeah, so in la in la he's gonna be like the third option on offense and so he should have plenty of seams to attack in the defense i really think um uh, he's gonna be able to play with incredible efficiency there in la so i think this is just a dream fit for norm Powell, a dream fit for like the clippers salary structure i think robert covington will give them an interesting flavor in the playoffs and so i think if we had to give a grade to the clippers i mean it's going to be an a plus for me i don't know i'm and you know you know from our off-season podcast that i am very much anti-grade inflation like i like the C is average, in my opinion, like C yeah. C is an average. So when I when I give out an A+, like that, that is noteworthy. I don't think I've ever given out an A-plus for anything on this show. And so this is actually a first right here, but I'm giving the Clippers an A-plus yeah. for this trade. I think they really just knocked it out of the park. And it is worth noting that like um, the Clippers are like a special circumstance. Like not every team in the NBA would be able to make this trade. Not every team has mm-hmm. Steve Ballmer as their owner. So maybe I should be grading them on a curve because they have like, such like extraordinary circumstances that allowed them to be able to do something like this but no i'm I'm gonna give them an a plus this is this was just a great piece of business i think i think there's a very good chance we look back at the end of the trade deadline and this is like the best trade that any team made so yeah really cool stuff for the clippers
0: yep Uh, what would you give the grade on the side of the blazers though
1: yeah so let's switch over to the blazers i think there are a lot of i think there are a lot of misconceptions um about this trade i think a lot of people are confused by it i'm not confused by it. i understand why they did it um mm-hmm. is it like the sexiest return we could have gotten no but um the reason we did this and so i guess not to belabor the point any further the reason we did this was purely financial um uh, This We were $3 million over the tax coming into this trade. We shed $4 million of salary. Now we're $1 million under the tax for those doing the math at home. Um, And that is significant for multiple reasons. First of all, being under the tax saves the team money this year. um, It stalls the clock on triggering the repeater tax. And if the Blazers... um, are trying to field a competitive roster in the 2022-23 season, which is a big if, but if they are trying to compete next year, they will have to go into the tax to do so. So um, avoiding the tax this year will make fielding a competitive roster next year much cheaper. Yeah. And finally, and I mean, most importantly, honestly, I, I think this is probably the most important aspect is basically what happens um, with all the money that teams pay for their tax bill it all gets added up, and then it gets distributed to. Um, it gets distributed equally amongst every team that didn't pay the tax for that season. And this year, we have some exorbitant bills between like the Warriors, the Nets, the Clippers. All those teams are just insanely expensive this season. All of them are paying a ton of money into the tax, and so this year it's shaping up to be about ten million dollars that gets distributed to each team that is. Um, not paying the tax, and so even though the Blazers only cut four million dollars of salary, they're also going to get that ten million dollar check from um, from the league, and that's going to be um, as a result of yeah, just the crazy spending that's been going around. And I know fans have a difficult time getting fired up about this sort of financial aspect for good reason because, right. like, why should we care that a billionaire got fifteen million dollars richer, but I think to say that the Blazers got like not a fair return is probably inaccurate. I'll ask um, recall the uh NBA draft, the 2021 NBA draft in the second round. Uh, it was the Philadelphia 76ers. They bought the Pelicans pick. I think that was the 53rd overall pick. Um took Charles Bassey. They bought that pick for two million dollars of cash. And so basically another way you could think about the value the Blazers got in terms of savings we probably got like about five or six second round picks worth of money from this trade. And so like, I think when you put it that way, it maybe sounds a bit more palatable. Obviously there are restrictions on cash. You can only trade um, up to 5.6 million, $5.7 million of cash in a season. And so it's not like the Blazers can use all 14 million of their like newfound savings to uh, buy picks for the 2022 draft. But um, I'm just kind of making the point that like, the money we saved is like equivalent value to that so i I think just totally disregarding the financial aspect of this trade is um just a bit um closed off and then um moving on to the non-financial aspect of this trade the blazers did get three new faces on the roster justice winslow has already played his first game as a blazer um not going to be too hard on him obviously never practiced with the team before he was playing his first game as a blazer he was not good in Saturday's game against the Milwaukee Bucks um basically he struggled in all the ways that I expected Justice Winslow to struggle he's a walking turnover on offenses one three-pointer came <laughs> up about about two feet short um and just like good hustle on the defensive end he's definitely a physical presence in the paint he definitely adds. A dimension on defense that is a helpful thing, but yeah, the offense it's just so broken at this point that it's hard to really see him contributing to an NBA team in a super meaningful manner in his current state. But, um, he's still like relatively young like I think he's in his mid-20s so there is his career is certainly not over there there's still avenues that he can improve um so I don't think we'll write him off completely especially with some of the injury struggles he's had that maybe all it'll take is just a couple healthy seasons should he ever be able to play a couple healthy seasons and he'll start to show some improvement but um yeah his first game as a blazer did not go well I don't I'm not really expecting him to have that successful of a career as a trailblazer uh, he is under contract next season for four four more million four million more. Um, so maybe he'll be around then who, who knows what's in the works. But yeah, I think um I I know this is funny because I just said that the money was not an inconsequential part of this trade, but I actually think Justice Winslow is a pretty inconsequential part of this trade. He was just salary failure. I don't <laughs> I don't think I don't think anybody was too fired up about acquiring him. Um, no. and then Eric Budso, we've already kind of talked about him um i would say there's a solid chance he gets moved before the deadline so yeah. maybe solid might be overstating it maybe i if we were trying to put odds on it like 15 maybe 10 or 15 percent if he doesn't do that um i think there's a good chance he gets bought out um no matter which way you frame it like i don't really think he's going to play more than 20 games in a blazer jersey i would be surprised especially now that he has this um achilles soreness um <laughs> so yeah, I think he's going to be a bit of a non-entity he, he, again. Just another you know, Who, who who's looking into out. him.
0: Like who? Would, what would you get for him?
1: Um. Well, it wouldn't really be what we got for him. I think there's a still a faction of the Portland fan base, and maybe there's a um group of people, and maybe there are people in the front office who think this as well. Um, there's still I think is an appetite to kind of go all in while Damian Lillard is still in Portland mm-hmm. and maybe look to acquire like a co-star. And so I think there's a desire to maybe trade Jeremy or trade for Jeremy Grant or Julius Randle or some other big forward that could theoretically like help us compete next season. And so I think that would kind of be the idea with Blood. So is just packaging him. Um you can't package him with another player because of um, the recently traded player restriction. But you can package him with picks. You can package him with cash. Um, you can add um, add those sort of non-player sweeteners to So we're his, talking like this would happen
0: like in tomorrow. Some, okay. okay, <laughs> But it yeah. could also happen later too? Uh, the deadline is the offseason. Wednesday. What's up?
1: the it could happen over the off season at that point it would be more difficult because you'd have to guarantee a salary for next year so Hmm. i don't think so um his his, right now he's probably at his most appetizing for other nba teams because his money um all but four million of it is coming off the books next year but um if a trade was made over the off season a team would be committing to like the full 18 million, not just the 4 million. And so it would, it would become a bit bigger challenge to trade them in the off season. Mm. So realistically, if something was going to happen with blood, so I think it would be in the next two days.
0: Got it. Okay. And then finally,
1: Oh yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: Would you want Julius Randle?
1: I, I personally wouldn't. How come? I think we've just kind of seen it before with Carmelo Anthony, just kind of putting that forward that likes to face up and post up and kind of score from the mid range. We've kind of seen that pairing between Damian Lillard and Carmelo Anthony, and it wasn't really a super congruent fit. Um, uh-huh. More than anything, it felt at times that mellow. It was kind of like a, your turn, my turn. Where like eighty percent of the, or not eighty percent, but like ninety percent of the time, we'd be running like the Blazers' offense, and then the other ten percent of the time would be mellow post-ups, and it would be kind of like these brief interludes of isolation possessions in between like what our offense was designed to be. And I think it would be kind of like a similar thing with Randall where um, his style of play doesn't really fit with like the spread high pick and roll that we like to run with like Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic. So it would turn into the sort of thing where it would be like 80% Damian Lillard pick and rolls, just typical blazer offense and then 20% um, Julius Randle post-ups. And the the one distinction is that like Carmelo Anthony was able to transform himself into a more than capable spot-up three-point shooter. And I don't really see Julius Randle being able to do the same thing. So I just think it would be a very clunky fit on offense. And then his defense is just like nothing to write home about. And so I just don't really see the fit for Julius Randle. If if, if I wanted to make a win now trade, I think Jeremy Grant would probably be um, a more interesting path to travel down than Julius Randle.
0: So you'd rather you'd rather have like a forward as opposed to another like wing or like guard. I mean obviously you don't need a guard, but like that's what your pro- the priority for the Blazers is to get like a forward or another big guy.
1: Yeah, just yeah, somebody who plays the small forward or power forward. Yeah.
0: That's facts. Yeah, was, but-
1: That's what I was talking
0: about with the guy today that he wants we just they play so small or they don't have a, a lot of other forwards that's why I was like you should right. trade with the Knicks
1: <laughs> what did you think of that huh what, what well he was like maybe that?
0: Cam Reddish or something I don't know
1: Cam, Cam Reddish that's an interesting one Tom Thibodeau did say today that he or I don't think Tom Thibodeau actually said this but there was the report that came out today that Tom Thibodeau um was not in favor of the Knicks making the move for Cam Reddish and so you wow. got to see him on the move again would not be the most shocking thing um Mm -hmm. it's just difficult for a trade like that to get done at the deadline because cam reddish was just acquired by the knicks in the trade and because he's still on his rookie scale contract like his salary is so small that it would almost have to be him I guess it could be him for like two of our minimum guys, but yeah, the Knicks just traded like a pick for him as well. I, I don't think Reddish is going to be on, on the move. Um, this yeah. yeah. Reddish is not going to be on the move. This trade deadline is not mm-hmm. going to be on the move in the off season, but it's a, it's an interesting thought. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just feel bad for the players. I projected them to be good this year, dude. Okay. Actually, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> is that a sore subject? Yeah. But I was going to no, say, it's, it's, it's okay. You honestly yeah. think that Dame will like stay?
1: Like, I, I think he want. I think he wants to. Um, yeah. Whether like, that's best for whether that's how, best for him or the franchise is a different question, but it does seem that he wants to.
0: How many good years do you think he has? Three.
1: Uh, define good.
0: Like, top five point guard in the league. Oh, zero. So
1: like, yeah, he, He's not a. He's not a top. Because at this point, like Steph is ahead of him, Luke is ahead of him. This year Trey and Jaw have caught up and passed him. Chris Paul is still in that mix. Now you've got Darius Garland catching up from behind as well. Like he's not he's not a top five point guard in the league. Okay. Anymore. But that that said, that said though, like um when does he stop holidays? when does he
0: stop being a piece that you can build around to like win a title?
1: Oh that I don't know if he ever was. Um like he's not Like I, the thing about Damian Lillard and I've said this a few times before, this is crazy. Well, I think this is consistent with what I've always said. Like, I don't, I don't think like, I never projected the Blazers to like win the championship. Like when you look back at like the past, like Mm -hmm. several teams that have won a championship, whether it's the Bucks with Giannis, the Lakers with LeBron, um, before that it was the Raptors with Kawhi, the Warriors with Kevin Durant the calves with lebron the warriors with steph like i don't I, I could keep counting these down i don't know how far back you'd have to go for a team to like win the championship without like a bona fide like top five player in the nba and like damian lillard even in his best seasons even in 2018 19 2019, 20, 20 he was like a borderline top 10 player and the thing about damian lillard is that even as a borderline top 10 player he would go on these like two or three week rampages where he'd just start shooting insane from deep and um, he'd transform himself into like a top five level player. And so I think the hope was always that we'd be able to like catch that lightning in the bottle. And one of those, like one of those two to three week heaters would like coincide with the playoffs and we'd be able to kind of ride that to a deep playoff run. Um, But it seems like the window on that um, may be closing. Sad.
0: So then it's like,
1: what good I mean
0: I mean collectively it's fine but I was thinking about it today that you have to have more than just three or two star guys to actually go somewhere in the playoffs so like if even if they did trade for like a Julius Randall or like a Jeremy
1: Grant like does it what does that even I don't, mean? I don't think that yeah I mean yeah what does I, that even I, really do? I don't yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna there's a lot to unpack there I think the first part you said about needing two or three players I think for the most part that's actually it's it's all about roster construction, too, and just having players that fit yeah. well together. Like last year, the Suns made the NBA finals without having a single top 10 player on the NBA in the NBA on their team. Um, when the Raptors won the title, they had Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry. Um, so, yeah, actually, that that was a pretty deep team stacked with stars. But fret, like that then. right? Well, yeah, oh, yeah, was, yeah like, they had before, Fred, that, I remember. That, that was before That was before Fred Van Vliet was like this all-star player he is today. And same goes well, for Well, he still like, killed he won, us in the finals. Yeah, he won most improved that season. But yeah, like I think if you have like the right surrounding talent, you don't need all these star players. Um, like the Bucks, I guess, were a team that won last year with a, a big three, Chris, Drew, and but Giannis. But there um,
0: comes a point in a game where you have to have somebody that can take over
1: yeah like you absolutely. have to have a
0: guy that can you have to you can rely and, on and
1: and dame dame is that guy I think. right yeah. I, I like for all the stuff i just said about him he's still a guy who can really take over a game with his scoring um i'm sorry what was the second part of your question uh oh you were at, you were asking like even if the blazers can get grant mm-hmm. or randall it wouldn't really yeah. take him anywhere and yeah i i agree with i agree with that completely um, I think a team with Damian Lillard as its best player and Jeremy Grant as its second best player, um, probably not a playoff team. If is, it is Nurk um, on the
0: line for maybe moving?
1: I, th- I think for the right price he would be. Um, there are just so many centers out there um, that it yeah. just becomes difficult, especially with the Pacers having this fire sale they seem to be having right now. Mm-hmm. There's like, miles turner out there Demontis Sabonis. i'm sure the rockets would be more than willing to make a deal with christian wood um there are just um the center center is it's always sort of been a buyer's market um center is one of the most easily replaceable positions in the nba unless you have like a yokature and beat or, or go bear unless you have one of these really high-end out of bio one of these really high-end centers it's a pretty replaceable it's a pretty replaceable position and there are just not a lot of teams who need a in a lot of centers on the market. So I think for the right price, Nurkic would be available, but I just don't think there's a team out there that's like in love with Nurkic enough to make it worth the Blazers' while to trade him. Right. Do you and he's a great he's a great fit with Damian mm-hmm. Lillard and will have his bird rights, even though he's an expiring contract. I think he wants to stay in Portland as long as Dane is here. So yeah. I think it I think the Blazers are would be interested in just trying to keep him for next season.
0: Mm-hmm. we're definitely going to have to do another episode on this because a lot of shit's going to go down probably in the next few days. So
1: it's like, yeah, this podcast <laughs> might be, might be dated by the time it hits the air, but <laughs> well, yeah, we'll it's, th-
0: it's thoughts on the Blazers trade and it's also thoughts um, on the Libert trade, but okay. One more quick yeah, thing. So I, I,
1: yeah, What's up? yeah. Go for it. No, I just yeah, wanted to ask yours you. and then all
0: this has mm-hmm. really like, it's a stupid question, but if you're the warriors, okay. do you, t- do you do anything or do you just, if it ain't broke, don't fix it?
1: okay first i'm gonna wrap up the blazers because i never actually gave (laughs) my grade for the blazers portion of this trade so we also got keon johnson who i was high on at the draft i just i think i tend to like i i just and maybe this is my own personal flaw but i just did easily fall in love with these athletic wing-sized guys who Mm -hmm. are able to hit jump shots off the dribble and like keon johnson he has he hasn't been a remarkable shooter in his time in the g league far from it but the shot doesn't look broken he's got decent touch around the rim. I think I think that's a part of his game that will develop. The Blazers for all the bad parts of our organization have done a terrific job developing talent in the past few seasons between Gary Trent, Anthony Simons, Nasir Little. Like the the Blazers know how to take like young players and turn them into um and turn them into NBA caliber players. And so like I am high on Keon Johnson, especially now that he's on the Blazers. And so that that was part of that was probably the part of the trade that i was most excited about i think the most important part of this trade for the blazers was the financial aspect but i am excited about keon johnson i was disappointed to hear the news that it's going to be like three or four weeks before he actually takes the court. i think it's an ankle injury that he's dealing with right now but yeah i'm excited to add him to the young core i think he's a very high upside player yeah. i think he's a yeah it's a and that th- essentially that's what this trade comes down to because if if keon johnson and um, turns into a crucial aspect of like the next great blazer team mm-hmm. whenever that team is assembled like then this way trade will be a, yeah massive success if keon johnson doesn't pan out like then yeah this uh, trade obviously sucks because, because he's got 14 then, extra million dollars or whatever yeah and you give up two really good NBA players and so basically we won't really know whether this trade was a success or not for like five more years when we actually know how good Keon Johnson is I think I am probably in like this 75th or 80th percentile of Keon Johnson believers and so I'm pretty excited to see what happens but yeah i will admit that he's it's like a high variance outcome for him so we'll see i would i would give the blazers a c you know this trade was made with the intention of saving money it it did that we were able to get a young player who i'm excited about but um yeah i think if money was not a factor we certainly could have gotten a, a better return for mm-hmm. um, covington and powell but i also i also think oh, that there are sure. a number of Blazers. I think there are a lot of Blazer fans out there. who sort of overestimate overestimated the market for Covington and Powell. Like I don't, I don't think Covington was going to return a first round pick unless we took back bad salary. Um, I think Powell was not seen as some value deal around the league. I think there are probably a lot of teams that worry about paying him twenty million dollars four years from now when he's in his early thirties. And so I think that um, there was some. Um, not, I don't want to say delusion, but there is uh, like Blazer fans were very optimistic about the return we could get for these guys, which I think was maybe a little bit unwarranted. Um, but yeah, certainly, certainly if we were willing to take back equivalent salary, I think we could have done better than a guy who just got drafted in the late first round in the second round pick. But I have to consider the financial aspect as well. Um, I'm, I'm on Johnson, so I'm not going to bash the Blazers too much for this. I'm going to give them a C and I give the Clippers an A+. And so, yeah, that's Kind of my thoughts on this trade and so yeah going back to the warriors do i think it makes sense for them to do something this off season and not really because i mean no i mean a trade deadline of, yeah oh yeah trade deadline sorry yeah that's what i meant yeah not really because when you think about it right now they're honestly already at a bit of a roster crunch like i think like they're they have like great players on their team who just never get into the games like Juan Toscano Anderson like he
0: doesn't barely, you know, plays. barely plays he barely yeah, got in today yeah. I forgot he was on yeah, the roster
1: Damian <laughs> Lee not really getting minutes so they have like these quality <laughs> players on their bench who aren't even playing um well but when really Damian Lee need...
0: does he's a has a big impact so you like recognize it because he's yeah, been shooting yeah, the three ball absolutely. so well
1: yeah yeah I don't really think there's a need for them to add anything mm-hmm. um if some other team just absolutely fell in love with like James, well, not obviously. Nobody's fallen in love with James Wiseman, and while he's not even playing, but um if another team fell in love with like Kaminga or Moody and wanted to like give, some what insane. would that really
0: get but, you in yeah. return, though? Besides, like,
1: yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know. I, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't really think it makes sense. I for think they should do, do nothing. I
0: think we're fine.
1: Yeah, I mean. Can you identify like a weak? I mean, the no, one weakness has been and there's grinding like, his ass off, getting bored. Oh yeah, Co- yeah, certainly Kavon is, yeah, have been wonderful like, this season. Matt's I was
0: gonna say, if the Warriors, a a
1: weakness, if the Warriors do have um, a weakness, I think it's just gonna be who's taking the shot like late in close playoff games. Steph has been one of the worst clutch performers in the NBA. I think I saw this stat earlier today that of yeah. all the players with usages above 30% in clutch situations, which are points that are, or, and, cl- and by clutch situations, the way that NBA defines it is games that are within five points with fewer than five minutes to go. So of all players with over 30% usage in situations like that, steph is the third worst shooter out of all of them which makes sense because um like steph he does rely on that sort of off ball movement sort of bending the defense catching people yeah it's catching people sleeping that's that's what's hard about guarding Steph. is he's always moving he's always making you work Mm -hmm. he's running like five miles every possession that's what's difficult about guarding steph in the final minutes of close games, that's when teams really lock in, and you're not going to like catch them slipping, yeah. so to speak. You know, like you can catch people slipping with eight minutes to go in the second quarter of a game where the Warriors are up by twelve. In the final five minutes of a close game, like that's much more difficult. So it kind of mm-hmm. it makes sense why it's it becomes more of a challenge for Steph to kind of do what he does as right. the game is um, in its later stages. So I just think who's going to really be taking those shots for the Warriors in clutch situations. I mean, it used to be KD. Like, I just, I wish they had a better isolation score is what I'm saying. Do you think that's fair? Yeah. Are you really excited about going to the Wiggins? Like, I don't I mean, uh, it depends. And, and that's depends. what I said. I, and that's, and that's what I said. It, it, it's, it's unrealistic. It's, it's, I'm really nitpicking here because yeah. obviously Honestly? players who, players who can like score in isolation, like, and, and like I said, like Kevin Durant, like there's really nobody that the Warriors could trade for, like besides like Bradley Beal, who would fit the need that I just described. So it's totally mm-hmm. like an unrealistic thing for me to say, but like, just if we're, if, if I had to identify something that the Warriors are sort of missing this year, I do think it's that like, kind of isolation score who can just go one-on-one and get a bucket like late in the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And they, I honestly believe that the death of the warriors is just going to be self-inflicted wounds.
1: Yeah. And Here's, here's, here's a wild trade. I don't think anybody would say yes to this in real life. And I don't really think it would make any sense for the blazers to do this. I think I've ran this by you before, but like clay Thompson for CJ McCollum, I mean,
0: but like what does that do though, you know? Like, like for the, isn't it, it isn't gets, it like the it, same
1: aren't the Warriors getting
0: it like a work like almost a worse version of clay?
1: No, I think I think if you wanted to say are they getting a worse player, then maybe. I mean, I think we're still trying to figure out what clay is coming off of this injury. Like I think
0: he I think good it's gonna be day, old, but yeah. Yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, and he's had some incredible games recently. Was it the Kings? They played them on they've yeah, like, made like
0: six straight threes, seven straight threes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he's definitely been improving. I I think it's a uh, it's gonna be another like two or three weeks before we can really like be certain yeah. what the Warriors have in him. But um Which is I guess Jordan up, Poole we, yeah, yeah, I guess no, Jordan yeah, yeah. Poole is kind of like an isolation no, score too, but yes, I just thought exactly with CJ McCollum it's a guy who's just kind of been proven to just you can give him the ball just match him up with um the opposing defender and he can dribble for like eight seconds and get you a bucket like he ripped the heart out of the Denver Nuggets on their home floor in a game seven um he absolutely um embarrassed (laughs) for lack of a better term he just embarrassed John Morant in a Dylan Brooks on back-to-back possessions in the 2020 playing game like he's a guy who's like a proven bucket getter in like high leverage situations in a way that like the Warriors don't really have right now yeah. and so I just think adding that aspect of um, being able to dribble and create offense on your own and score from all three levels would be if like and that's the one need the Warriors have I mean obviously that clay for CJ, like that's super like pie in the sky unrealistic more of a thought experiment than like an actual suggestion but um Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah one thing that was just jumped out to me though today is like clay he had two really good plays where he rejected um giddy and then another guy i believe but it was just good to see him not afraid to um it was just kind of sick to see him back to being like a two-way elite mm-hmm. i mean i am not going to say elite yet but like it was just flashbacks I, when he has been playing good defense and good offense
1: i i think the presence of wiggins has helped him quite a bit too defensively because now now it's really wiggins who oftentimes takes the assignment of like the best perimeter defender or the best perimeter offensive player on the opposing team and so clay doesn't have to be like guarding the point guard every night or guarding like other team's best score and so yeah he is able to like focus more on help defense making like rotations and and so yeah i do think that's been helpful because i i I, even though clay is like impressed some since his return from injury like i I think the days are gone where like if the blazers and warriors matched up in a playoff series which uh, clearly isn't happening anytime soon that i like i don't i don't think it would be like clay thompson who guards like damian lillard you know i think his days as like um, that the the um, point of attack defender are over, but like you said, like he is really blossoming into his new role as sort of like the second best perimeter defender, and it has allowed him to like make more like rim protection help plays, and so I think that I think that's been one of the more under the radar, but like very important developments of Clay Thompson's mm-hmm. return. How his like defensive role has shifted, but like he's been able to like maintain productivity in the new role.
0: Yeah, I think the Warriors' best defender like low key like it's GP. It's not even a question.
1: Well, Draymond.
0: Yeah, I know, but Draymond has been playing right now. He has been playing <laughs> oh, okay, for the last yeah, few weeks.
1: Okay, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Gary Payton, one of the best guard defenders in the NBA right now,
0: for sure. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Uh, do you, Do you think he's going to be a how many? What What's your pre- prediction for how many minutes per game he gets in the playoffs? Obviously, this is like matchup dependent. If they go against the what's that he has What's
0: like, he getting around right now? Like he, I mean, he. Uh, let me look see yeah
1: probably i i am gonna guess i like can games he plays he gets like twelve minutes per game probably
0: let me look he had our boy had where is he where's little uh oh, g p got fourteen yeah, yeah 14. he's gonna need at least that to make an impact on the game you we can't have yeah he has to play a decent amount of minutes i think especially when yeah uh, action.
1: Actually- it's actually though like you could make the opposite argument as well like you could have like the theory like that we're just going to try to do this I don't
0: no know if it's no meant. not even
1: that not not even that like just like we have this playoff rotation of eight guys like say we have the starting lineup and then coming off the bench it's like pool auto porter and then um, like pick your pick your third guy Toscano, um, anderson Who, whoever Damian it ends lee, up dude. being Damian lee like yeah whoever you want and then if, say, we're playing the Utah Jazz and Donovan Mitchell just gets really hot, we can put in Gary Payton for, like, three minutes to just kind of put out that That's fire. That's true. You know what I mean? Like, he could be the kind of guy where, like, he gets d d all If the opposing team ever has a card that really starts heating up, you can kind of break that glass in case of an mm-hmm. emergency, get Gary Payton in the game, and he can, he can yeah, try to put it, put it into it. So I, I could see him being that kind of guy, you know? Yeah. Which is incredibly valuable
0: where would you rank the
1: Warriors like what's up playing like middle role for the Sixers I think Matisse is like a little bit more prominently Mm -hmm. featured in Philadelphia but it's the similar sort of idea where he comes off the bench um if the other team has like a player that's scorching hot that night but Yeah. yeah go ahead with what you were gonna
0: say I was gonna say where do you think the Warriors rank in terms of um deepest teams
1: in the league Deepest teams. Wow. That's a good question. Because
0: um, when I was watching I mean, there, today... there, are, there, are,
1: there are multiple <laughs> ways to, to define like depth, I feel like, because like in terms of just like who has like the most NBA, like let's pretend it's 2K and all these like players are just like assigned point totals between one and 99. Like if you add up all 15 players on every team's roster, Um, who's going to have the highest. I mean, the Warriors probably have a pretty good argument for that one. But like, realistically, you're only playing nine players each game. So like, who has like the most depth, like functionally, like who has the best bench in the league, who has like the, like who goes, who like who has the best top 10 versus who has the best top 15, basically. I think you'd have to say maybe the Warriors have the best top 15. I think for the other one, now maybe you have to say the Clippers, Mm -hmm. but also like the Suns as well.
0: 100%
1: yeah so yeah i would say for who just has like the best top to bottom roster i'd go golden state but in terms of who has the best depth in terms of like players who actually play on a night to night basis i would say clippers and Suns. and i'm sure there's an obvious obvious teams that i'm forgetting right now but those those are just ones that come to mind i mean the heat too the heat mm-hmm. don't have mm-hmm. like brand name players up and down the roster but some of these guys like I think Max Juice at this point is kind of a brand name, but like even guys like Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Omir Yurtsevin, guys we don't really think of, but like just really um, solid NBA players who have been developed so nicely by the Heat coaching staff. I don't think I'd put the Heat in like the conversation with Phoenix and the Clippers, but yeah, they're doing a really good job down there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to get to the Levert train?
1: Sure. Do you want to read the terms for us?
0: Yeah. I have ever yeah, do you, do you want me to read out the trade?
1: Yeah, just, just so everybody at home like has a frame of All reference right. for what we're Let's talking about.
0: Freaking go. Okay. So wasn't it it was Rubio and three picks for mm-hmm. Levert and a 2022 round pick. And those picks were, that the um, Pacers got were a 1st round pick and and then two two thousand twenty two seconds via Houston and Utah. Does that get it?
1: yeah that sounds good to me Mm -hmm. let's go so um i guess it makes sense to talk about this from cleveland's perspective because cleveland here is clearly the buyer and and indiana's the seller so Mm -hmm. let's let's talk about cleveland um yeah i i don't really (laughs) like it i don't really like it for them um and yeah. I know that this has been a thing for Kobe Altman in the past, trying to recreate the Dame CJ backward. He said that's what he was trying to do back when he drafted Darius Garland. And mm-hmm. so between drafting like those two small guards and then um, obviously Sexton um, met his demise earlier this season, but and then you trade for another scoring guard to put next to Garland. I just, is this, I, I mean, this clearly really is like the team that Kobe Altman's trying to build, but I just don't really think it makes sense, especially with where the East is at right now, where like some of these up and coming teams, like you look at Atlanta and they've got like Trey Young coming up, you know, mm. like there, you look at, um, like what the nets are doing with Kyrie and harden like there are so many just elite guards in the east that i don't really think it makes sense to build a team with like two guards that are like not positive defenders um especially when you're trading a pick like it's one thing when you're like the blazers and you just happen upon these two small guards that happen to be really good because you drafted them that's one thing but like it's strange to me to like be making this conscious decision that your team building strategy is going to be like two defensive liabilities at the guard position. And I think the theory is that like Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are just so dominant inside that it doesn't really matter what they put around them. They'll always be able to field a good defense. And I think in the regular season, that might be true. I think in the playoffs, this team, maybe not this year because they're still so young that like, it's going to be hard to make a judgment on them based on what they do in the playoffs this year. But going forward, I'm pretty bearish on what this sort of roster will, be able to do in the postseason mm-hmm. i mean it's going to be and i think a part of this trade that i haven't heard talked about at all is the opportunity cost of giving up the first round pick because i think a lot of people say oh this pick is lottery protected oh the Cavs are good this year that makes it okay for them to give up the pick and i would actually push back on that quite a bit because i think like yeah like having a top 10 lottery pick that's great like you can go out and draft a star You know, you can really swing for the fences and get these really high upside players. It's not really what the Cavs need. You know, they have Mobley, who's like, has easily the potential to be like a defensive player of the year, all NBA type of guy, six years from now. They have Garland, who's clearly going to be their fulcrum and lead initiator on offense. They have Jared Allen, who they just signed to a five-year, $100 million deal. They have Isaac Okoro, who is a top, top six pick. No, top top five pick in the past two years you know they they kind of have all these star players at this point at this point they need something that bridges the gap between like because look at it this way they have um their guards they have garland and whichever like score first two guard they want to put next to them whether that's sexton or lavert or whoever can fit that mold and then they have these defensive anchors in mobley and allen what they really need is a, a three, a small forward who can both shoot because with Mobley and Allen, you're not going to have enough shooting if you play a non-shooter at the mm-hmm. three. We've seen that with a coro. It just doesn't work. So you need somebody who can both shoot and defend because you need someone to defend the best perimeter player on the other team because, um, because Garland and your scoring guards certainly aren't going to do that. So they need a three and D player at the small forward position. And... Um, those are exactly the kinds of players that we've seen teams really hit on late in the draft recently, whether it was um, two years ago with um, Memphis picking up Desmond Bain, you know, the year before that, the Suns got Cam Johnson outside of the top 10 Um, just this year. The Pacers got Chris Duarte outside of the top 10 a few years ago. The Suns got Mikhail bridges later in the draft, you know, like sure. Sure. They kind of mitigated some of the risk by trading, a, um, by trading away a pick that was lottery protected but you know i almost would have wanted the pick just as much if it was in the 20s because like the player they really need to complete their team right now those are like the sort of players that like you're you are able to find like 21st or overall or 22nd overall mm-hmm. which is where the pick's probably going to end up so so i think that people i i don't really understand the sense or that i don't really understand the sentiment that like the Cavs really didn't give up all that much because like I actually think that the pick they had this year could've been a crucial part in um of filling or could have played a crucial role in filling out their roster. So I don't know if you agree or disagree have any thoughts well, on that.
0: Yeah, but I was just going to say since they're getting a second round pick back, there's still a chance they could draw, like target a player like that and hit on it and then maybe
1: find that piece. Yeah, I mean
0: even though they did give up the yeah. first
1: and whose pick was it again? Um who so, was the second round pick? It was the Heat. It was the Heat's the Heat, second round yeah. pick, right? It was the yeah. Heat's twenty twenty. Yeah, that pick is gonna be complete trash because the Heat the Heat are really good this good. year. That's gonna yeah. be like the it's gonna be like the 54th 54th pick in the draft. Like um the, and the Cavs first round pick this year will probably be like 22nd overall. Having the 22nd overall pick, like that's a lot different than like the fifty-fourth overall, you know. So mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. I mean, maybe they get really lucky, but I. I still think losing the first is a bit of a bummer, especially since they're still such a young team. Like, there. There really was no rush. Like, it's cool that they're good this year, but really, I think their best years are still like, 2026, 2027. You know.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I know. What would you give them their grade for each the Pacers and the Cavs?
1: I think I would give the calves a C minus. C-, Cause I don't think they overpaid at the end of the day. Karis Levert is a, a solid player. I don't yeah. really, and it was a need on their roster for this year. He's going to make them way better this year because, um, because Sexton's not coming back. So, I mean, I think it is, it does help them. He, he is a good player. I think they didn't, pay way too much for him so it's hard for me to get too mad at them but I just it wasn't the direction I would have gone if I were them and also um also the Clippers paid way less for Norman Powell but I actually would have liked Norman Powell better on the Cavaliers than Kyrus LeBert Um, just just because he's more of that
0: bridge player like you're talking about
1: exactly yeah a better catch and shoot player um better defender um more athletic I think they like the playmaking that Karis Levert provides, but you run so much of your offense through Garland that I really don't think um, Levert really, really moves the needle much in that regard. I think I would have just, um, I, I think, think about it this way. Like Levert is a better play initiator. Norman Powell is a better play finisher. And I think the Cleveland Cavaliers over the next several seasons will be asking their to guard to be doing a lot more play finishing than play initiating. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so I think I would have rather had Pal if I were them. Even Eric Gordon. Like I don't think Eric Gordon's a better player than um than Liver. Well actually I do. I think he's a better player this year, but I understand like going for the young player moving forward. So I understand Mm -hmm. why they deemed Liver to be more valuable than Eric Gordon. But Eric Gordon, I'm sure, would have been available at maybe more of a discount. I don't know. Um Maybe not Eric Gordon, but certainly Norman Powell I would have rather had than Levert. But yeah, at the end of the day, Levert is a fine player who they paid a reasonable price for. So it's just hard for me to get too worked up about it. Um, For the Pacers, I'll give them a C as well, just because um, they had this player who they were shopping around and they got fair value from and not a whole lot more. Um, What were the picks they got? They got... um, Obviously, they got Cleveland's first lottery protected this year. They got the Utah Jazz pick, which I think is in twenty twenty seven. Is it in twenty twenty seven?
0: Wait, they got two twenty two second round picks from Houston and Utah.
1: Oh, is Utah's twenty twenty two?
0: Mm hmm. And then in Houston's twenty twenty
1: two. Oh, for whatever reason, I thought the Utah one was in twenty twenty seven. Um, I'm yeah, on
0: dot so- com trade tracker. It could be wrong. Oh, yeah, right? so
1: you- no, I, I'm sure that one's pretty reliable. So, yeah, I mean, that makes me less excited about the Utah pick because um, Utah's good this year. So usually, like, the um, the kind of inflection point for the second round is, like, the 45th overall pick. Once you get past that, like, the chances of drafting an NBA player are just so small. So, um, yeah, really not a whole lot of exciting stuff in that trade aside from the first-round pick. Um the fact that they were able to get off long-term money by um, bringing back Rubio, who's an expiring contract, that's helpful. I think I'll give the Pacers a C minus. So I think both both teams in this trade get a C minus from me. Do you differ from Do you differ from my opinion here, Kyle?
0: No, not really. It's just it could turn into something great. It could obviously tilt in the favor of the Cavs depending on how because Kyrie is young and still has a lot of upside
1: yeah yeah
0: but i don't know yeah like you were saying that does suck that they give up their first round pick because it's it's already so encouraging that they're good this year so like giving that yeah. up if you were just willing to wait yeah you know what could have happened
1: it's 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 like the line from um that uh <laughs> god what's that guy's name um from snl but um this is just horrible horrible radio because i can't remember it and anything about this, but Fred Armisen, um, you know, when he, Bill Hader. You no, know, it's from the um that his name's Tom in the movie, and he's a salesman. Um, and he was the SNL character. Uh, yeah,
0: he was on SNL. Dang. Yeah. Wait, is this
1: a movie or what? It was this a yeah? Script? It's it's a movie. It's a it's a movie. No, and it's the it's the fat guy who. Oh, Chris Farley. It was Chris, Chris Farley. <laughs> from From Saturday Night Live, and he was the salesperson. And then, um, <laughs> and it's like whenever whenever he's about to get a sale, he just gets so excited. You know, he turns into like JoJo the Indian Circus point He just <laughs> just gets all excited. But I think NBA teams do that too. Like the moment they start to like sniff success, they just get like way too excited, and they yeah. just like trade trade away way too much and jump in way too fast, and they just kind of you know, ruin it for themselves. And so I think it makes
0: no sense because it takes time to get good, like to build something good. It takes time. So just to throw it all in the trash, potentially it just, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, dude, the Cavs have been bad for how long now since LeBron's left, you know, and then they are finally getting back up there and then you never know.
1: Exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of, yeah, at the end of the day, um, They're only trading away this year's first round pick, so I don't think this is going to come back and bite them too much. But um, I, I don't like the mindset that this show's that Cleveland's front office is in, but it seems like they're really trying to push the chips in to win now. And I mean, I'm sure they're, I'm sure that he considered a part of their long-term future. Oh, uh, he has, he has one year left on his contract after this year, but he is extension eligible in the off season. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure they think he's going to be staying around. And so I guess in that sense, it's not short-sighted because it is with the future in mind, but. um, No, yeah, that yeah. is true. It is based just, on a player that could be around for a long time. So. Yeah, so I guess on the I'm and I think the only other trade that's happened this year is the our this um since the season started right it's just the Knicks one or is there is there one there
0: was a couple okay so there was yeah there besides f- the main two yeah there were a few the Nuggets did one Celtics oh yeah with bowl, P.J. Dozier yeah Spurs got that's right Gomez and a pick, and some cash. The Nuggets got Bryn Forbes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Hawks we don't got, need to react to that one, That Yeah. Hawks got Kevin was whole, in a first-rounder. Yeah, the Cam Reddish one. Yeah. Yeah, those those two were far Lake, Lakers yeah.
0: got Rajon back in January. Oh,
1: oh yeah. Cleveland traded for Rajon Ronda after Ruby got hurt. Yeah, so there, there are a few that happened before. Um, yep. So yeah, so far of the four teams that have been involved in a trade over the past week, Clippers leading with an A plus, and then after that we get three teams who I gave a C minus to, and the Blazers, Pacers, and Cavaliers. And so um,
0: we'll have to do another one soon because there's a, there's
1: stuff that's going to go down. Yeah, maybe over the weekend. Yeah, I'm down for sure. Do you have any other teams that you want to talk about before? Oh, okay. we yeah, uh, give me off give me thoughts
0: night? on Ben Simmons. Uh, give me thoughts on James Harden.
1: Yeah, um, that's an interesting one. I think I personally could not be rooting for it to happen anymore. Like, I would be thrilled if this trade happens, especially if we get um, a Philadelphia-Brooklyn matchup in the playoff and James <laughs> Simmons has to travel back to the Wells Fargo Center in a Brooklyn Nets <laughs> uniform. Like that—that that would just be the ultimate timeline for me. So I'm definitely cheering for this trade to happen, whether or not it makes sense for either team. I mean, for the let's start with the Sixers pairing Harden with Embiid, you know, reuniting Daryl Mori and Harden. Um you know I personally don't really like this for Philly. Um I think there's an interesting distinction between like usage in the traditional sense and usage when you factor in like assists and passing and all that as well. And James Harden is obviously been a very high usage player, but he's even more of an outlier in terms of usage and assists and the way he just monopolizes the offense. Because think about it from this perspective, like James Harden and Jamal Murray, they have somewhat similar usage rates. Like Jamal Murray is a high usage player, but you feel Jamal Murray's impact on the offense less because offense doesn't run through him. The offense runs through Jokic and Mm -hmm. it just happens to end up with Murray taking a lot of shots. I'd rather have a player like Jamal Murray next to um next to Embiid. Just a guy who's uh efficient scorer, high volume, can hit tough shots, but doesn't take the ball out of Embiid's hands, if that makes sense. Like that makes sense. A lot of sense. And And these players get criticized a lot too, because they score a lot for themselves without making their teammates better. Like that's kind of like the stigma that surrounds them, but that's kind of the the exact player I'd want to pair next to these high usage centers, because you want a player who can like score efficiently, but you know, doesn't take anything Mm -hmm. doesn't like steal touches from your star center. You want to run the offense through like, that's why I never really liked the pairing of Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell when it first happened and obviously enough stuff has changed in Minnesota since that trade for me to have a different opinion on it now but that's that's the reason I criticized Minnesota at the time Um, so yeah I don't love the fit of Harden and Embiid and defensively too, you know when Harden was at his best defensively in Houston, it was, they were running a switching system under Mike D'Antoni. And obviously that's something that you would never be able to do with Joel Embiid in Philadelphia. So I think defensively it's an even worse fit. I think offensively, like, it would be incredible because you have like two of the best offensive players. I don't think it's the most seamless fit in the world, but I do think it would be an obvious upgrade. I think defensively is where it really starts to fall apart. So if anything, I think I'm pretty low on this trade from Philadelphia's perspective, which I think is kind of the reverse of what a lot of people are thinking. I think a lot of people think this would be huge for Philadelphia and that Brooklyn's the team that takes on the risk. Mm-hmm. But I really think that I really think there's a large downside here for Philly as well. If, if Philly... For Brooke- Oh, yeah,
0: go ahead. If Philly were to make this trade, do you think you'd see a lot of minutes where like Embiid and James are on the floor at the same time?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Especially like, in the like playoffs too. That's like
0: one of the main ways, which sucks, but Well, it is what it is. Yeah, because
1: like, like
0: Embiid... Like you made the point, obviously, it, that James takes yeah, the ball out of people's hands. You want a yeah, guy that's in, more... can take advantage of um, yeah. Embiid being on the floor rather than having James be like the primary ball handler and stuff, you know?
1: yeah exactly but um yeah because like it and theoretically if they were to never share the floor together they would both have to play like 24 minutes maximum just Mm because like 48 divided by two is 24 and like you get all of these guys both of these guys like command minute totals that are like in the high 30s because they're like two Mm -hmm. of the best players in the nba so like there'd obviously be. yeah, by necessity, there kind of has to be a lot of minutes where they play together, which I think, again, offensively, I think would be fun to watch. And I think Mm -hmm. for the most part, it would be incredible. And defensively, I think it would present some challenges. But um, I think I'd still probably be interested in pulling the trigger if I'm Philly, just because um, the upside is pretty tantalizing and you do have to make an upside play. Well, Embiid is playing out of the mind the way he has and then for the nets i actually like i like this quite a bit for brooklyn because um because you're um
0: really quickly can i ask you something
1: yeah well i'm still trying to think through what i think of this for brooklyn right quick um because initially i thought i liked it and now as i think about it more um hmm because Kyrie, we kind of just have to assume that Kyrie's a part-time player at this point. Um, and so it's really Simmons and Durant. Who knows if Joe Harris is coming back? At this? Honestly, the Nets are just such a disaster right now that it's kind of hard to like even think about what it, Ben Simmons on the Nets would look like. But yeah, sorry, what were you going to ask, I, no, I mean, Guy? My big thing is, like,
0: yeah. I know that Ben is good and he offers, he's a huge guy, but... <laughs> I mean, first position and stuff, but is it even worth it, honestly? Because I know that there's there's hype and it's. I mean, he obviously has a lot of potential, but like, do you even want to bother bringing that into an
1: organization? Just you mean from like a personality standpoint? Yeah, just like, yeah, like is it? Yeah, uh, no, I I think that's a completely fair point. Like, I think I think that's something that you would really have to worry about. I know it sounds obvious and stuff, but it's like
0: he he could still end up sucking not even being
1: good and you well I, I i wouldn't really i wouldn't really worry about that i th- i think he's probably going to be good i just think but um, you do I mean, though i get in in the playoffs is a different thing i guess in the regular season i think he'd be phenomenal um yeah it's i mean it is a big risk. They're not really getting a lot out of Harden right now, though, too, yeah. is the thing. Like, he's really been struggling. Now he's dealing with this hamstring issue that's seemed to nag him since the playoffs last season. So, hey,
0: Yeah, I just, I like, think, I haven't watched Ben Simmons play a lot and, like, all I've heard are bad things and stuff. And so it's hard for me to connect why he would be such... Like, obviously, he's young and he's huge, but... Yeah, he is. he's, he's it's just, still
1: one of the best... He's yeah. one of the best perimeter players in the NBA, if not yeah. the best. You know, he's a one man fast break. Um yeah. He can get to the rim. Like there he does things well. He's one of the best outlet pa- or not outlet passers, but like one of the best drive and kick passers in the NBA. I mean, yeah. A lot of the things I'm describing right now aren't really like needs of the Nets and aren't really things that the Nets are like set up very well to capitalize off of compared to other teams, which is why mm. it's kind of so hard for me to like envision the fit of Ben Simmons in Brooklyn, but he, he does have a lot of talent. Um, he would, I mean, he, <laughs> there. I don't think there's a single team in the NBA that he wouldn't add a new dimension to, but he would right. certainly add a lot of like flavor to what the Nets are doing, but it's tough. Um, at, if I put you on the spot here, which team between Philadelphia and Brooklyn do you think um, do you think would say no to something like this? I mean, we, probably it would probably be Brooklyn, right?
0: Oh, like what side would be less wanting to do it? Yeah,
1: which yeah. Well, like, obviously, I mean, Steph I, I,
0: didn't he come out today and say no? That's not like a
1: trade with the Celtics yeah, is and an option exactly and like Daryl Morey has kind of been thirsting after Harden for like the past year now so I guess that's kind of an obvious question yeah obviously the Nets are the team that's going to be more hesitant so I well, guess the I, it's better just, question
0: Ben like do you even want that do you even want him I mean yeah I I, I think like it's better become more question, about the person rather than anything else I don't know
1: oh it absolutely is because like yeah. the talents undeniable like he's an incredible player yeah. it's it's the it's the personality that teams are really worried about um What what do you think that, what do you think the Sixers would have to give up in addition to Simmons to make, to make this work? Um, I mean, you
0: know, the watch is better than me, but probably a lot.
1: Yeah. I think it would probably have to be.
0: Oh, because it's not like you're just getting like a random player. Like you're going to get
1: freaking James Harden. So, I mean. Right. It's, I think it would probably be Simmons, Seth Curry. And then either two picks or one pick in Thibault.
0: Like Seventy Sixers would obviously give up more to get James. Like it wouldn't. Which is yeah, interesting because like if it's any other team, really, I feel like it would be another team giving up a ton to get, ben. to get
1: Simmons. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what. So if there's makes a this team fun, to do it, it makes the
0: most sense for the Brooklyn Nets, I guess. Right.
1: To make a move after Simmons.
0: Yeah. Because they're in the position to give a better player. I mean, I guess.
1: So, yeah. You mean like if they were to trade Simmons again down the line?
0: No, like since they have James Harden and they're giving the 76ers, they're in a better position, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the two teams that can kind of play that position – are the Nets with Harden and then the Wizards with Beal? Those are yeah. the two teams where I could. Those are the only two circumstances, aside from Damian Lillard, mm. where I could see um, Daryl Morey like attaching picks to Ben Simmons to get a deal done.
0: Yeah, I don't yeah. know, dude. I, I how, what's what's the have the Nets lost? They they were on like a six game slide, right?
1: Or yeah. Like um, that? Here that I can stinks. look. I can look that up right now. Like what they've been. Over their last ten games, I mean, obviously they've been really snake bitten with injuries, and then with Kyrie as a part-time player, it only adds to their difficulties. But over the last two games, they're two and eight, and yeah, they have lost their last eight games now. So, um, if we the Warriors, look at dude. their upcoming, <laughs> s- yeah, if we look at their upcoming schedule, they've got the Celtics tomorrow night on TNT at home. So no Kyrie. You probably think they're going to lose that game.
0: I don't understand um, that situation. Like, what the hell is going on there? So he just plays away mm-hmm.
1: games? Yeah, because he's not vaccinated.
0: Oh, so he can't be in the arena? Or what? Is that right. the arena rules? Oh,
1: man. Yeah, or not arena rules, but like the New York rules. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And for a while, for There's a while, it was kind in of the league, huh? For a while, it was ambiguous whether or not um, Simmons was vaccinated, but it finally came out that he was. Since he hasn't been playing, nobody really is like cared but <laughs> yeah
0: man we'll, it's so we'll good to go
1: there's some characters yeah. so I'll, a lot will happen over the next couple yeah of days. we'll have to that's do that's another
0: sure. one this weekend and react to all the other ones but if we think about the
1: biggest star that that'll be traded over the next couple of days bro i'm feeling think, it james harden's, harden's on the move
0: okay wait if if ben <sighs> simmons gets traded to the nets Does he, like, when? Does when's Mm -hmm. the timetable for him to play? Like, you think he's ready to go? Uh,
1: Apparently not. He says he's going to need a month to get back into shape. Dude,
0: you think you'd be ready to go, like, for... If you're so eager to get out of a place, you should be ready to go as soon as they trade you to somewhere else, right? Wouldn't that be logical? I mean, that could be...
1: This could be another, he's used myriad tactics to like try to tank his value. So that, that could just be another thing he says just out of some sort of strategic place. Um, no. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. One, you're right. You're right. yeah. Uh, but yeah, who, I really, when it comes to Ben Simmons, just all pets are off. I have no idea how long it's going to take him to get ready to fly once he's in his new location, even if he does get traded. And today there was a report that some people in Ben Simmons can't, Thinks that if the Sixers don't move him at the deadline, that Ben Simmons is going to try to come back for Philadelphia, which would just be crazy. So um, no way wins Finals MVP. Yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> right uh, yeah. Ultimately, I'm going to say I'm going to say if Simmons Harden trade, I don't think it's going to happen. Um,
0: what are some other big stars they can be tra- uh, traded? Like, what NBA, are some other potential scenarios?
1: There's been, There have been some Beal rumors, Beal for Simmons, mainly. Um, Aside from that, yeah, then you start to look at like Demonis Sabonis, CJ McCollum, Jeremy Grant. Those are kind of the big names from there. So I think the biggest name that's going to be traded at the deadline. um,
0: Besides James or Ben?
1: Yeah, I I think they're staying put for now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think the biggest name that's going to be traded is C.J. McCollum.
0: Facts. So does that mean if, like, C.J. you think is a bigger name than Demonis and...
1: No, I, I don't think Sabonis is going to end up getting traded.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. C.J. to...
1: I'm feeling New York. I think it's going to be New York. They need someone they
0: can, yeah. Be, what would you get back
1: i think fournier would probably it's probably going to be like fournier kimba walker and then either a couple young players or some picks okay. or not some picks that's overstating it drastically like a pick or a young player like cj McCollum's not that valuable on his current contract if i had to like yeah if i had to guess that's what it would
0: how be old's kimba like.
1: um <laughs> yeah uh I think he's like 32, 31 or 32, but his knees are 50.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. He's 31, so he's a year younger than Eric. But like you said, his lower body's thrashed. So, I mean, yeah, okay. He, Evan Fournier, what is Evan Fournier? 30? Tw- late 20s?
1: Yeah, something along those lines, and mostly those guys are just for salary purposes. The Knicks signed both of them to new contracts in the off season, and both of them have underperformed said contracts. And so I think the Knicks are kind of eager to get off get off of that money, and so um, that's their main purpose in the trade.
0: Yeah, but I still like him for the Blazers, though, because he provides shooting. Like he's good.
1: I remember. Yeah, he's a very solid player, he's um, and he's a distressed. He's a bit of a distressed asset too because he's underperformed in New York. But he's the type of guy where, like, mm-hmm. a change in location, one good season, and the Blazers can trade him for positive value. You know what I mean? Excellent. Like we can kind of rehabilitate him in a sense. And like get I kind of the Warriors to down get the line.
0: Last year during
1: the trade yeah, deadline. oh yeah, during the trade deadline. That's right. Yeah, yeah, back. Yeah, the, I mean, I know we talked about it back then, but yeah, Isn't they it really maybe. Think about preseason. We were
0: talking about. I remember you and I were going back and forth because you said, where's the warrior shooting going to come from? And it's freaking coming from the whole squad. Auto freaking Porter Jr. is a legend, yeah. baby. And he, he'll he hit like three yeah. or four threes a game. And then Damian Lee, he's a dead-eye sniper. And even Gary Payton, just because he gets so many wide-open looks, his three-point percentage has re- risen. You can't just like leave him wide open. I mean, and then he, Draymond, when he was actually sinking a few, when um like he was playing and then you obviously have the two best shooters of all time I
1: mean, to, to be fair. The Warriors are the 11th best offense in the league. Like they've been winning games with, with their defense, like their offense, their offense has been, it's gotten the job done at times, yeah, but it's been, but
0: what didn't we, we've, didn't we hit like, we've hit a lot of three balls as of late. And that's like what's been keeping us in games. Like we've had a lot of opportunities.
1: The, war- the Warriors are the second most, frequent three-point shooting team and they're the eighth most accurate three-point okay. shooting team yeah so yeah i mean yeah that's very good yeah that, that means they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league so yeah it yeah i mean yeah i get. i was wrong to criticize their No, shooting but you weren't well.
0: wrong though because all of that at the beginning of the year who would have predicted that even though Naman not playing, like who would have predicted that he's going to shoot. Well, who, who predicted that Otto Porter is going to be as much of a force who predicted that freaking Andrew Wiggins was going to be an all-star starter. Like, hey, <laughs> you don't know these things. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I I still don't know if Andrew Wiggins is
0: bro. Andrew Wiggins, like, he's been money for us though.
1: Yeah, he's good. He's not all-star starter. Good.
0: He's been, he's been, he's been so good for the Warriors though. Like it's crazy. I'm so happy we like have if, him
1: it's fantastic if anybody if anybody on the Warriors deserved to be an all-star starter in the front quarter was Draymond but
0: you still oh hot take you think Draymond could still become a uh, depoy?
1: I mean at this point he's probably just going to end up missing too much time I think well he's going to um, be
0: coming back hopefully a little
1: after the all-star break after the after the break
0: yeah because uh, I think it was I, about uh, a week ago it was his timetable was around three weeks and we had like three days off yeah. and then we're going to have a week off for the all-star break. So we'll be back soon.
1: Yeah. Um, I think he's still maybe could, um, I think, yeah. Who are the candidates like him, Giannis and Those are probably the big three right now. Um, I think he still, still could. Um, I don't, We'll have to do an awards podcast at some point because I haven't really researched the defensive player of the year race too much. But <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk, we can talk about it later. I, I guess, yeah, I'll say he still could because the Warriors are the best defense in the league right now and he's the best defensive player. And so I think I think anytime you're the best defensive player on the best defensive team in the league, you, you at least could win the award. You know, mm-hmm. you're at least a candidate. So can, yeah, I'm going to say Bob yes, Fitzgerald
0: and Kalena Azabuki get best commentators? Your best commentator no. award? Huh. why
1: not <laughs> <laughs> all right come this was a this was a fun conversation with that but i think this is enough enough podcasting for one night
0: Thanks. okay i'll get this sucker out tomorrow dude but yeah all right as we can tell jonah's not right. the biggest kalen azabuki fan but
1: all right oh what are you talking about i think he's a savage <laughs>
0: God, he's he's insane. My dad and me were just like he is crazy because he'll just start yelling. I don't, I don't even. He called Steph Curry like a lion the other day, like prowling. He's, he's in, so
1: yeah, so so horrible. Okay. All right. Later, dude. All right. Thank you. Good night, Khan. Good night. Yeah. My pleasure. Bye.